Hi, Kate. Hi, Corinne. Hi. We are doing a little series talking about lawyers who write, who become published authors, maybe. Mm-hmm. Because we've interviewed so many of these people, and we're like, wait, you were a lawyer. Like, what happened? What are you like? How did this happen? How did you get here? When did you know? And so we have we constantly have all these questions for for the authors that we interview. And we figured people might have these questions themselves, too. That's right. That's right. And knows one way. There's not one way. So that's what we've learned from talking to all these authors. Everyone has a different story. We have definitely learned that. Yeah, there is not one path there's certainly not one path and that is the difference between being a lawyer and being a writer which fundamentally one has a very clear path four years of college three years of law school pass the bar exam maybe you have a summer internship or a summer associate in a firm and then you start as a first year second year third I mean is it is even when you're in it's a complete track yes love a track I love a track (laughs) as opposed to writer which has absolutely no track. Yeah. Some people get MFAs. A lot of people don't. Some people have many books in the drawer that will never see the light of day because they had to practice. Some people have one. There is absolutely no path for the writer. Yeah, and it's how many times have people said to us when we asked, you know, when did you know you wanted to be a writer or whatever? And how many times have people said, I didn't know that was a thing you could be? Meaning yes. that you could actually yes. say out loud, From whatever age, which people start asking you, which I feel like is literally since like kindergarten, you know, what do you want to be? Yes. People think saying lawyer, you know, that sounds, oh, doctor, lawyer, you know, novelist. People be like, oh, that's nice. (laughs) You know, like it's just even if you think it, a lot of people have it as sort of a secret hope or dream, but they don't think it's something you can actually be or you can't be until you've been something else first. If there's any consistent theme, yeah. that seems to be it. And certainly if you're asked at the very young age, I mean, at five years old, you don't even know what a novel is. You might be reading, yeah. but you're not reading novels. <laughs> you don't even know what a novel is. And so that feels very far off. And then as you're going into college, you know, you're in high school looking at colleges, there's no major in 90,000 word novel writing. Right, right. It's almost not even a thing. There may be some courses on fiction, but certainly nothing that resembles a major or a, or track to becoming a published author. And then forget about, we're, to, we're talking about writer, forget about published author. Right. There's no even track to know how you actually get your work out in the world if that's what you've decided you want to be. Yeah. So we're going to explore these things. We continue to explore them in our interviews with lawyers, but we wanted to talk a little bit more for ourselves. Like, what what has been your path? Where How did we get here? And we're going to start this first episode talking about the law side of things. Then the next time we'll talk about the writing side of things. And then we'll bring on one of our faves, mm. Christy Tate, to talk about kind of the process of really transitioning and what transitioning looks like, and then kind of existential drama, identity crisis. Uh, We'll talk about that in another episode. Let's start with lawyer. So when did you know you wanted to be a lawyer? Mm. Oh, Corinne, Corinne. Do I I know yet whether I want to be a lawyer? (laughs) 
You're yeah. like, I'm still figuring that out. Yes. Yeah. So you and I have chatted about this in our in our origin story. It's, it's part of our origin story in a way. It um, is. Yeah. Yours, your desire, and you'll tell it to be a lawyer, goes back beforehand. Really, mine yeah. does start with you or around the same time as you, which is college. Despite the fact that everyone told me to be a lawyer in elementary school and on, I never believed them or just dismissed (laughs) it perhaps as, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I had other ideas. You know what? I actually found when I found my journals that we've talked about, I found (gasps) my, my mom used to keep this um, book. It was like called school days and every grade you would put like facts about you and your report cards and your class pictures like it had a little envelope and I did Mm. say in fifth grade or sixth grade that I wanted it said what do you want to be and I did say writer actress you'll love that I checked this before I got on or lawyer so I guess it's a lie as usual my fake news of memory of myself so I must have either believed what other people said but either way I did not go to college to to I wasn't pre-law it just then became one of those things by the time I finished college and you realize rather boringly that you're good at school and you like school and (laughs) your strengths which for me were you know reading writing public speaking go to law school. So then it became, let me take the LSATs. And as you know, that's where you come in. You drove me to the yeah, LSATs. Well, hold on. And I said, hold I on, didn't want to go. <laughs> yeah. No, you, yeah. I don't want to be we'll, a lawyer. We'll come back. Right. We'll come back to that. What did you go to college thinking you might oh, do? Because, yeah. Oh, and, and here's, mm-hmm. so I, I enrolled in college, like write down your name and social security number. And I was like, I will be a political science major. Mm-hmm. I knew it before I went there and I knew I wanted to be a lawyer. So I went in with that in yes. mind. Did you have a major before you went to to school? English. A- and you did. You did have it because lots of people go yeah. to school without a major. No. Of English, course. That's yeah. t- per- perfectly acceptable. You're supposed to go there and explore things, especially a liberal art college. You're supposed to explore but I I was an English major right from the jump. Yes. And what did you think you would do with that English major? I don't think I knew freshman year by an English major what I would do with that. But then once I added the communications, I thought either journalist. Mm-hmm. I was really, I wrote for the newspaper. Like I thought something in like journalism. So that was around writing. Then once I added communications, I thought maybe public relations. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it was all in like that kind of realm, which is a form of writing, I guess. But one that's like a job you know, quote yes. unquote job. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's I what I thought. I had a similar path. I definitely came in political science, knew I wanted to be a lawyer. I took s- some political science classes. Again, I did have to f- fill out the cur- the core curriculum of, you know, all of these other philosophy, theology, science. But I took political science. And I think after my freshman year, I was already like, mm, I don't know, maybe I'll just hedge my bets and add I also added a double major communications and I thought the same things like maybe I really have wanted to be a writer and there's something I can do with writing by adding a communication major so because let's also talk about this other people told you about being a lawyer I 
got my idea of being a lawyer from cheap, trashy novels, not trashy romance. I was like Sidney Sheldon, Mm -hmm. you know, Scott Turow, whatever I could get my hands on that was around the law. The mafia, Rage of Angels was a huge Mm -hmm. influence in my wanting to be a lawyer, which is ridiculous (laughs) because it's just very, and presumed innocent. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. My father was so into all of those. I was so into them too. So that, which, I mean, where's the irony in deciding you want to be a lawyer by reading novels when you really should be a novelist? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. So I, that was where I got the idea of what I wanted to be a lawyer. And so I, when I was in political science, I was like, mm, this is, feels like Plato, especially early political science classes, like Plato oh, yeah. and... I was like, oh, the Republic. I was like, I don't know if I really care about this stuff. I did still. I really did. I just had this small inkling of like, okay, maybe this is a little drier than the novels, right. the dramatized novels I've read. Right. How about you? What? Where did you get the idea to be a lawyer or to not be a lawyer? And what, where did that idea even come from? Yeah, I, I think now that you're mentioning all those novels and I just mentioned my father, I mean, he as you know, was a big influence in my life. And he was a social studies teacher who wished he had become a lawyer. And all Mm. he ever talked about was how he wished he'd become a lawyer. And he read all, every legal thriller, all those books. And I think it probably permeated more in me than into me than I ever really realized because it Mm. was like, maybe I was fulfilling his dream a bit. And again, it did suit my strengths as well. It wasn't yes. like, you know, yes. like becoming a yes. physicist because he wanted to and I can't yeah. do math yeah. or science. So I think that coupled with everyone else telling me that, I do think, although I pretended to not hear them, that I'm very influenced by external validation or direction. And it certainly was then. So I, I sadly think it was probably directed more by other people's views of me. Maybe than mm-hmm. me, I don't know. But yeah. like I said, I do. It did resonate for a reason too. Yes, yeah. And like you said, it does suit you. And sometimes it's as simple as like we're we're good at school. Yeah. We like school. It's structured. It's also. I mean, the other thing for me, and this will not resonate for you. The thing I loved most about school and the idea of three more years of school was that I did very little work. Oh, like yeah, I. No. I did very little work. And so I knew if I was going to work at a law firm, especially big law, which was my my uh, goal, I'd be working 12-hour days. I, I only worked 12-hour days consistently as a waitress, which I did for many years, even mm-hmm. before I was a waitress. Even before I was legal to wait tables, I was a busser. So I only did that on my feet at restaurants. So I liked school because it was more thought, less physical activity than what I was used to. And then it was very little work in my mind. Oh, yeah. That is not my experience. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no. Right. But it still suited you. And it suited me in different ways. But we know we weren't oblivious to what worked for us and what appealed to us about these things. We were not completely off the mark. Right. And in and in fairness, by the time <clears throat> I took the LSATs and decided to go, I had tried other internships. So these other things yeah. I thought I wanted to do when I went in, I did try them through various ways and, you know, realized, mm, eh, there's, I'm not so into that one. I'm not so into that. And so yeah. a little process of elimination helped as well to see what maybe I didn't want to do after thinking maybe I did. 
you know, you get a little smarter about it. Yeah. And for me, also, I was graduating and my friends were going and getting entry level jobs, great ones that were paying like, I don't know, $30,000. And I'm like, that does not sound good to me. I would rather go to school for three more years, party for three more years, and then make four times that. So big factor. I was like, this is not, this is not a, like, uh, this is not hard. Yeah. You don't need to do, you know, calculus to figure out Mm -hmm. that this sounds like a great idea. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, there is the debt and the cost required to go to law school. Mm -hmm. But I just thought, well, I'm going to be making so much more money anyway. So that doesn't sound like a terrible investment, yeah. So to speak, and it's, you're like, oh, I'll figure that out later. I mean, yeah, you know, people oh, do it. It does you know, feel it's sort of yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll figure that out later. <laughs> it feels very far away yeah. at the time. Okay, that brings us back to the LSATs. You and I both. I registered late because that's how I do things at the last minute. You registered late because of your resistance to taking the LSATs and going to law school and really admitting that this was your Denial. path. So. So we were at some rando LSAT site together Mm -hmm. and I drove us there and we talked a lot about our plans as, as I am wont to do. And you were very clear at the time that you did not want to, you didn't even know if you wanted to practice at all. You definitely were not going to be a partner in law firm, but you thought what? I thought that it was a great education and that it was a stepping stone to doing amazing other things. There were all sorts of people you hear about or read about who are doing amazing things. And then you find out, oh, they had a law degree. So I was like, see, a lot of people who aren't lawyers have law degrees and what a great experience. And it'll, it'll help me figure out what I wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, which is true though. It is true. People have law degrees that, and also, you know, in journalism, I mean, yeah. Also, I, I think I remembered that being part of what you were talking about. You might want to do, which also seems like a correspondent or yeah, someone. I think on, I wanted you know. to be like Christiane Amapour. I was really into travel and foreign relations, and I was like, maybe I could put that all together. Yeah. Yeah. So that made sense. And I, loving a track that I love, was like, I am just going to be a partner at a law firm. That was my plan as we were going to our LSATs. I wanted to go to big law, put in my ten years eight if I was lucky and become a lawyer become that a partner is, it's, yeah that's what you're I mean partner years. yeah become a partner at a at a big law firm that was my plan and so we had very different plans but at I, the time I took your plan yeah <laughs> yes because eight yeah. years in I made partner yeah so yeah. I, I literally took your plan which was not my plan yeah <laughs> <laughs> Which is so funny. And I remember the first time I was like, wow, that is wild. Because I, by then, I definitely had one foot out the door. Also, my first inkling that this was not really right for me. I took the LSATs, applied to law school, got into law school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the day I, th- I sent in my deposit. And then I was like, I'm panicked. I panicked. I was like, I don't know if this is really what I want. And I know it's what I've wanted for so long. But like... This was my first experience kind of burning down years of planning. My parents were very upset. And my parents don't put anything on me. They're like, yeah, whatever you want to do. Like, go to college. Don't go to college. Who cares? Whatever it is. My grandmother had different plans. But my parents were, like, panicked because I decided I would defer. I wasn't going to throw the whole thing away. I had really gone through the whole process. Mm -hmm. So I was going to defer at the law school that I wanted to go to. Which is my law school, meaning we 
folks. We this we were literally then going to the same law school at the same yes. time until yes, Corinne, you changed you diverted plans for temporarily. Yeah. Yes. I was like, I'm just gonna press pause. I'm gonna take a year off. I'm gonna see kind of what else there is. And then I'll go in a year. A year is not a big deal. Give give me a year to kind of like figure out who I am a little bit. That was my first sign that maybe this was not a long-term path for me, that I was on it for so many reasons that made sense, but it was not going to be the thing that was filled me up. It was, I, I feel like I had that in my mind. Again, because I had these legal thrillers in my mind yeah. of like drama and I wanted to go into litigation. That was when I went, so I did defer, went through law school and started as a summer associate. I was like litigation, I wanna be in litigation. And how about you? Did you know that was where you were going the whole time? Yeah. Can I just say when you, when we both were going to go to Fordham and you're saying it was the first time you had an inkling that maybe it wasn't for you, that was the first of many times I realized Corinne is a badass and is just going to do things <laughs> I would never do. Because I was, there's been many examples, but I, that was the first one where I was like, wow, because that just would have never occurred to me. Yeah. The whole, like, particularly for you who, like we just said, you were on the track, you had bought in, and I'm like, I, wait, yeah. what? She's just gonna <laughs> defer? Like, what does that even mean? Um, so that was your first bold, bold yes. change of direction. So yes, I thought I wanted to be a litigator. That's why I went to law school. I still to this day don't understand. God bless you all. I don't understand anybody else and what they do. And it's just to me, that's what I'm sure same as you in your head going in, that's what a lawyer is. That's what you see yes. on TV. That's what you read in the books. I'm good at writing. I'm good at research. That's, I, I like to be on my feet. Like, yep, litigator, litigator, litigator. And I never, yes. ever veered off. As in most people at a law firm will try different things, just like a freshman in college. Nope. I was going to say, it. we were, we had to. So that was the best thing that ever happened to me is we had to. Yeah. I you said, said no. no. I said do not give So me you were supposed others. to. It wasn't required. But every okay. other thing. There are some places that have a set rotation. If you're in a summer program, you have to try it. Ours was not. But literally, it was basically expected. You get all different yes. assignments. And I said no. Give those assignments to other people. And I, yeah. I only ever took <laughs> litigation assignments. Yeah. I was choosy about what mm -hmm. I would try, but I, cause I was like, no, I'm not going to try a tax. Yeah, although, I mean, I did take a lot of tax courses Oof. in law school. Yeah. I did not want to be part of the tax group in my firm. <laughs> and one of the practice areas I tried was real estate. And that proved to be life altering mm -hmm. for me. I loved, well, two things. I did a lot of lit my summer. I basically split between litigation and real estate. I found litigation mind-numbingly boring and even they were like showing us good stuff because as summers yeah they want you don't really care yeah they want to give you the good stuff and mm -hmm. like let you see where to aspire to they don't want to give you all the dredge work yes they need help doing research and actual work they do want to show you the good stuff and I just did not find any part of it appealing I'm like where's Harrison Ford like <laughs> I found all of the drama of my novels in my real estate practice group there was yelling yeah. there was the people you know you mean and the deals that were like really exciting and even the partners now some partners had more boring clients quote-unquote boring clients than others mm -hmm. but but some had 
like really exciting, a lot of money, harsh negotiations. I think I pulled an all-nighter during my summer and it was like invigorating. It was so exciting. I also pulled all-nighters actually when I came back because you do have a rotation period in your first year too. Mm -hmm. And I did that for litigation. I'm like, I just feel drained and, and depressed. So it was the right move for me because litigation didn't pan out the way I expected it and yet all of that drama was in real estate for me so it's so funny because I agree about the drama except I found it in litigation and the stories like I think the cases are always a story it's always a new story that you're learning and then the brief writing I always viewed as like, what's the narrative? Like what what story are we trying to tell with the facts that we have or whatever? But also, I think like my first big case, we were representing Russian oligarchs and it really was like absolutely out of like a Dostoevsky novel. Like we went to Russia, there were like it was crazy this case would never happen again but I mean right so wait was that your summer or your was I started doing an assignment on it for my summer um so I kind of and and also I think this happened to you too it's also who you were working with so I worked with the head of litigation group I really liked you know so like you're also attracted to the people that are already maybe working in that department and who you click with and things like that but but yeah, I find the same kind of thing though that you're saying is like we've I found the drama and the cast of characters and the stories in a different way, but we 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 found them regardless. Like the writers and us found them or they found us. Yeah. I mean, I do feel like they chose me. Yeah. The real estate group mm-hmm. and I didn't it, it it was the right match. It totally was, but I didn't ever I didn't even know what I didn't even know what they did. Yeah. And then there were many different partners that did different parts of real estate. Some like did really land transactions. What I ended up getting into, and this was also timing, was at that time the commercial mortgage-backed securities industry was yeah. growing. And so they needed help. And then it was you were given a lot of responsibility well beyond your years. And that really kind of sucked me in. So that was more a product of just luck and timing than it was choice and then in your first call it your first four years like because I think that's when you really have to commit one way or the other like now it's a general thing you can be out or you can stay longer and still be out but you felt like okay when did you know I think I'm on the partnership track here Mm. uh it's a good question when did I know that Ready to age awesome? Pop in your AirPods and join me, Katie Fogarty, over on A Certain Age Podcast, an age-positive podcast that helps you live your best evolving midlife loud and proud. We know the only constant is change. Kids grow. Jobs come and go. What it takes to be fit, healthy, happy, fulfilled in midlife looks way different than it did in our 20s and 30s. A Certain Age features expert voices in real women, 40, 50, 60, and beyond, with tips, tools, and resources to help with the hard stuff, menopause, aging parents, career change, and light you up about what's next. Each week, we talk wellness, beauty, family, money, purpose, fashion, and fun in frank, funny interviews that go straight to the heart of issues facing women. One Apple podcast review says each episode is a gold mine of ideas, emotional support, and self-discovery. I feel like I'm part of the conversation at the best dinner party imaginable. A Certain Age podcast. Live midlife out loud. 
Well, I think because I like gold stars, as you know, what happens is you're already on a track, as we've pointed out. It is a step this, then the next step, then the next step. So I liked that generally. And then when you're getting, again, the validation and I start doing really well and getting, you know, the best work and working with the, the best people and everything, I think I just, by like fifth year, or that's like your mid-level, that's where they start kind yeah. of assessing. And I was then at the point where it's like yeah you're 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 they're telling you you're on track so then I'm like well I'm on track Ooh, like I'm on track I mean they're not telling everybody else they're on track uh and we actually had like a numbered ranking system and you know Wait, like what? one through five yeah like your review there was like a you'd get a number and there was this whole thing of like by the time you could oh, they get, wouldn't rank the associates. They would no, give, you, give you a oh, ranking. Right, right, but okay. like if you were a first time five, like usually out of the gate for mid-level, they wouldn't start you at a five because that was the highest. But it's like, oh, you're a first time five. There was just a lot of shit that I could buy into. But I still think, much like on the way to the LSATs, <laughs> that if you actually asked me, oh, okay, so you're trying to make partner, I would have said no. No, I'm just trying mm -hmm. to do well and do the best I can and be in the best position so that I have options. I don't think I would have mm. told you out loud that I was trying to make partner until literally like the year I was up for partner. Uh, but until then, <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, I would not um. have told you that. And then, and by then, I still think I would have said, how dare they not make me partner? Like I've earned this now. That's different than actually intentionally aspiring to it yes yes it is mm -hmm. it is definitely yeah yeah, yeah. I think so and how did you know you wanted to pivot well see I already talked about these kind of I'm thinking of Ashley Audrain and the whispers I've already heard the whispers many yeah. times but interestingly it wasn't I think I would have stayed on a different track if again it wasn't for timing and circumstances now when I was coming up, if you were the best of the best as a young associate, even the partners were like, go, go in-house. Because yeah. our in-house positions in these commercial mortgage-backed securities in that industry were not like what, what old-time in-house lawyers were. Mm -hmm. You were really becoming a business person. You were becoming the liaison in the bank to translate the legal documents, save whatever legal fees you could and then talk to the lawyers and talk to the businessmen people because they spoke different languages when it came to these things you know the business guys were worried about spreads and rate creep and all these business terms that the lawyers didn't even know first of all this was a pretty new industry and then they didn't even know what that mattered to the loan agreement so that was my job and that was what if you were the best of the best they wanted you to do that because they need the law firms needed you because you'd funnel legal yeah. work to them and then the business people wanted you because you were one of the best of the lawyers that they had and so thus you'd be able to help them a lot more than someone else who was just kind of like redlining stuff so that's really how I ended up stepping out of law firm life and going in-house was that it was the best gold star mm -hmm. not that I was like I need to step off some track mm -hmm. so I, I guess that brings when did you start writing 
in this well legal. wait before we get to that because then i yes. have another thought as you were saying that that really confuses me about myself okay. i mean because i'm <laughs> acting as if like i didn't want to make partner or i didn't have that as a goal and then suddenly it got close and i was like oh, okay they better give it to me but like in between that in those like sixth seventh year i did interview for in-house jobs it is a little harder to go in-house as you know as a litigator but i did have a couple different opportunities, one of which went pretty far. And then, but I, I still can't tell you why I didn't take them. I'm not mm. kidding. I, now that you're saying it, I'm like, hmm. And I also got pregnant and had a baby before all this. So there were plenty of chances for me is what I'm thinking as you're talking about stepping off. That would have been a natural way to do it. Like I could have yeah. gone to one of these in-house jobs or I had a child and I could have decided that maybe I wanted to go in a different direction and yet I didn't. So why? I don't know. And, <laughs> and the, after I had the, the baby was really tough because I lived, that's when I moved out way out to Long Island and I had a four hour commute with a, with a baby, with a five month old. Like yeah. I took five months off. So I came well, back. But you weren't commuting with the baby. No. You had a baby at home commu- and yeah. you were commuting four exactly. hours. Yes. And yes, I was yes, commuting yeah. four hours a day. And there was a lot of turmoil at the firm at the time. And it was not the most pleasant time for me generally. So like why I didn't go, fuck this. Like I have a baby <laughs> at home. I have a four hour commute and people are being assholes. Like it was just a, a bad mix of circumstances at that time and yet and yet I I I stayed on the track so I don't know what that says well that's a whole nother session perhaps with my shrink but well okay so that's an interesting that is an interesting kind of segue because I leaving a big law did not do anything to hamper my ambition again like I said that was like a high gold star that was you're really a lawyer you're going to be a lawyer for life look at you soaring in this field but for me it was my having a baby well when I had my first child the my industry imploded and then I had a baby after that there was no real work to be doing so it was like a very I, I was not natural time to step away I it was mandatory yeah. and I didn't want to, I was in-house already at that point. So I wasn't going to go back to a law firm and start doing like workouts and bankruptcy, which is what a lot of the lawyers who were doing my practice had to transition to do because that's what these buildings that we had put loans on were in bankruptcy. And so right. that's what they did in their kind of off period of, of time before they started originating new loans. I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to go. That felt like too many leaps. And also I decided to have a baby. And that was when writing came very clear Mm, to me. I was like, this is the perfect time to do something like this. And why wouldn't I take this time to try? And so that was a, like, I couldn't not do it. And then by the time I had my second kid, the industry was back. I was back at work. Because then I became an even more important commodity in that industry because for four years, new associates were coming up and they weren't learning what I learned. Right. right. Because there was no originating yeah. loans, mm-hmm. right? So you had a special skill. Yes. And I also had not di- gone to a different practice group and I also had not expected to be farther along on a partnership track 
because I was out for that time. Mm -hmm. So I came back and I was incredibly appealing to both law firms and in-house. So I went in-house first again. And I had my second child and I went back to work when she was eight weeks old. And I was miserable. I was like, this is not for me. I couldn't, we talked about it with Ashley Audrain in the whispers too. Like I could not imagine how I was supposed to give a fuck about loans and all these things that I thought were so sexy and important and vital and life affirming for me became the opposite. They became soul sucking, terrible. I was really like every morning I was not so much that it was about leaving my kids, although that was part of it. I just knew what I was doing felt so wrong on every level. And so that was when I really began to make my transition. Like, how do I get out of this? I can't do this anymore. Yeah. 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 I remember you saying that with Ashley. Yeah. Like, how can I give a fuck about a loan? It it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel any shift? Now, you did not feel one great enough. Like, you weren't crawling out of your skin like I was. But did you feel any shift about the work when you became a mother? And by the way, some people, a lot of people don't. And some people do. And I'm just wondering where on that spectrum you are. Yeah, I didn't feel a shift about the work or my view of the work. I, the biggest thing for me, and it was because I moved at the time and did have this huge commute, I had a shift in terms of the time and when I had to do things and this whole, that's where I started to challenge the notion of, wait, why do I have to sit at my desk for a million hours a day, which is what we all used to do. And yeah. there was FaceTime and there was just an expectation. Like you just at a law firm back then, you just yeah. you didn't leave the office before a certain time. It would be weird. And that was the big shift for me because I had to. I had to get home. And suddenly mm-hmm. I was like, and that was before anybody really, certainly there was not remote work. If you wanted to go part-time, that was a whole nother thing. And don't even get me started on that. And so it was more just like, we why do I can do that? I have a two hour commute. I can read this brief on there or why can't I work from home on this day and do this? So the shift for me was more about when I could get my work done. And I was challenging that concept more Mm. than the actual work. And I, I did get pretty fired up about like that notion that you had to be there and, and, I got very focused on like flex time and part-time policies and I did weird amount of research on that while also swearing I would never do that. So (sighs) I just kind of became, that became something of a focus for me. Then why am I, I never was like, why am I, how could I care about this brief or anything? You know, it didn't change that. Yeah. 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 And where is that dream of being a writer at this time? Mm. Oh, she's, she's, she's there, but she's, she can't figure out how to do all the things, but I feel like she's, she's present because of this podcast in part, because I think that talking to these authors, these writers, right? I mean, along the way, college, where was she, where was that idea in college? It was like more of, we need a real job. So novelist isn't Mm -hmm. it. So that's what you were working on then. And then when you started at a law firm, I mean, you took Emily Giffen's office. I did. I did. Yeah. And did it ever 
think to yourself, oh, I got to write that novel. Like, did you have these thoughts? I got to write that novel, but it's not today. It's not right now. Oh, yeah. At a law firm, for most of the time at the law firm, I thought I'd like to write a novel, but I don't. When when the idea comes to me, I think I've said this before, when the idea comes to me, I'll write it. It wasn't, I need to write this novel. It was way distant, like, oh, if I have an idea, I'll write that novel. I'll write that novel. So it did not come to me, though meaning the idea and the impetus, even though I had taken like a writing class at one point when I was like a third or fourth year in my quote unquote spare time. Clearly that didn't do it, right? Like I I did take the class, but it didn't do it. So yeah. it was still distant. Then when then an idea came and then I did and that was, I was already a partner though then. So when that And happened. what, did, we had a lunch mm-hmm. once that you said, had an impact on you when you had written a screenplay do you remember this it wasn't Cucina. i don't remember your exact words were i just banged out a screenplay and i was like <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean you banged out a screenplay i'm like wait like like you actually wrote it and you're like yeah and i was like huh so you could just like actually have an idea and just write something so yeah. i think after that i was like oh oh so like what there is, we've talked about this a million times, there is some idea of you have to be, people think, well, I'm not ready to do that. Or or you have to, some moment where you're like, okay, well now I'm doing it. Or you could just like do it. You could just try yeah, to do it. Yeah, and the way yeah. in which you delivered that, and I'm sure it wasn't that easy, but it, oh, it sounded was. like, it was, it sounded like, it oh yeah. So just, 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 if you want to yeah. do something, just do it. And I was like, yeah. oh, oh, yeah. interesting. Like, I would have thought there would be more preparation involved and more, you know, I don't know what. So, yeah, I think that's the one you're talking about. Yeah. So that's that's funny. Yeah, that was before either of us had kids. And that was when the industry imploded. And I was like, I'm going to I had I had severance. And I was like, this is going to last me a year. And I will just write. And I Mm -hmm. did. But then I got pregnant. And I had a really, really tough pregnancy so yeah and then whatever I I went off on a couple tangents there yoga I found yoga and really cared about that and followed that path a lot which I was probably really important to me to understanding kind of a different path that was that was sort of a hybrid path of no path versus a clear path that might have been when I took the writing class now that I think about it it could have been because it's around the same time actually I mean if we're talking I know where we were so like that yeah I think yeah (laughs) I'm like because it's definitely you Kelly Dry and me at Winston and in Kuchina in the basement of the MetLife building yeah so the timing lines up that then maybe that's what I thought was okay just go try this yeah 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 as opposed to just go write this which is then when I ultimately did that's just what I did I just started typing I mean there was no yeah same okay yeah 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 yeah. okay so do we think the takeaway here is like it just if you keep it somewhere in the back of your head if you if you keep kind of touching it, maybe I'm thinking of like a tongue on a canker sore. If you just keep mm-hmm. touching it, there comes a time when it won't be ignored anymore. I like that. That's how it was for me. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, like you're keeping sort of like a hand on it. Yeah, just okay over there. Um, yeah. 
I do think that when, at least for me, I think when there will be a time, yeah, where it, you will go, well, now I don't want to just touch it or be far away. I want to actually try it, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and you'll sort of know when that is. Look at you talking about knowing. Yeah, right? I think yeah. it's just if you, I don't know though. Like I was always like, I couldn't do it unless there was some story inside me that needed to come out. But I, I think, but some people might be like, well, that, what if it never comes? So they yeah. might need to be a little more intentional about it. Like I don't. Well, we'll you know. talk more about actual logistics and yeah. process and how we get there in a later episode when we invite Christy to the series. But all right, that's our lawyer episode and how easy it is to stay on a track and get off your own life track. But we're in good company, I guess. I think so. I mean, there's certainly a lot of people. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about what kind of reader we've been and how that all plays into this. Because I think it's important. Yes. So. 